0: Welcome to the Shift Gold, Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, February 4th. I'm your host, Mike Mahary. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so a lot of you know that I'm a hockey player, and you probably know hockey players play hurt. Well, I'm playing hurt in true hockey player form today. As it turns out, I could not dodge the Rona forever. My wife and I have both been doing battle with coronavirus this week. Now, honestly, I've definitely been sicker. Our symptoms have mostly been like mild flu. The most annoying thing for me is the low-grade fever. I can keep it down with ibuprofen, but as soon as it wears off, the fever comes back. And uh, along with that comes, you know, zero energy and pretty severe body aches. But I'm hanging in there, and I'm here, and we're podcasting. Uh, might be a little shorter. I don't know. might not. At any rate, I want to talk about something that kind of made the news this week. I mean, in my mind, it was a much bigger deal than the mainstream made it out to be. I'm talking about the national debt. On January 31st, the national debt pushed above $30 trillion dollars. The U.S. government ran up debt at breakneck speed after raising the debt ceiling back in December. Here's a little context for you the national debt just broke through $29 trillion on December 16th. In other words, it took just 46 days for Uncle Sam to add another $1 trillion to his massive pile of debt. Yes, I said 46 days. And if you want to back up and look at the longer timeline, it took less than five years for the national debt to grow from $20 trillion to $30 trillion. So if you average that out over the last five years, the federal government is running up basically $2 trillion in new debt every single year. Now, a lot of people will blame the pandemic and all of this stimulus spending, and that certainly sped up this debt freight train. But it's not like this is a new problem, right? Think back to 2019. That year, the Trump administration managed a nearly $1 trillion budget shortfall. We'd only seen deficits over $1 trillion four times at that point, all during the 2008 financial crisis and its aftermath. Trump's nearly $1 trillion deficit happened when the economy was supposedly booming. So the real story is the U.S. government has a very big spending problem. And there's no end to the borrowing and spending in sight, right? Despite a monthly record in receipts to the U.S. Treasury, the federal government still managed to run a deficit in December. That month alone, the federal government spent $508 billion, that's half a trillion dollars spent in a single month. It was the highest December spending level ever. Through the first three months of fiscal 2022, the federal government had already spent $1.43 trillion. That's a record for the first quarter of any fiscal year, according to Reuters. Now, there's even more spending coming down the pike, right? Congress has already passed a massive infrastructure bill. For the time being, the bill Back better bill has stalled, but there is no doubt the Democrats will come up with another plan or they'll strong arm Joe Manchin into getting on board with the plan. Supporters of these big spending plans promise tax increases and government savings will, quote, pay for the spending. But it's almost certain tax receipts will fall far short of projections and spending will be even higher than budgeted. I mean, that's how government always works, right? Think about it. When have you ever heard of a government spending program that came in under projections? And when is revenue ever to the level they promise? Never. They always underestimate the cost and they overestimate their revenue. Here's another thing almost nobody is worried about debt anymore. I mean, there used to be a vocal minority who railed against the spending. It was mostly in the Republican Party. You know, we had the whole Tea Party movement that was focused on government taxing and spending uh, back when Obama was in office. But Republicans only seem to care about debt and spending when Democrats are in charge. The Tea Party vanished when Trump took office. With the exception of a few lone voices, nobody was complaining about Trump spending. People literally told me, well, this is different, you know, because Trump was their guy. Well, it wasn't different. Debt is debt, right? So, let me put this into a little bit more context for you. According to the National Debt Clock, the debt-to-GDP ratio is 128.02%. Despite the general lack of concern we see in the mainstream, debt does have economic consequences. More government debt... Means less economic growth. Studies have shown that a debt to GDP ratio over 90% retards economic growth by about 30%. In case math isn't your thing, 128% is bigger than 90%. So, yeah. This throws cold water on the conventional spend now, worry about the debt later mantra that we keep hearing in Washington, D.C. That's generally the narrative, right? We have an emergency now. We have to spend because there's a pandemic or the infrastructure is crumbling or we have to build back better or we have a war to fight. We'll worry about the spending after the emergency. But, you know, after the emergency, that isn't a thing. There's always a new emergency. The other claim that this economic reality obliterates is the notion that we can grow ourselves out of the debt. Now, a popular idea on both sides of the political island, D.C. No, you can't. Decades of growing debt should make that pretty clear, right? I mean, I would think at some point you would see us growing ourselves out of the debt, right? No, never has happened. Now, trillion is an incomprehensible number. To put the debt into a little bit of context, every U.S. citizen would need to write a check for $90,221 to pay off the debt. I'll wait while you go get your checkbook. Now, the burden is even heavier if you just consider taxpayers. Every American taxpayer would have to pay $239,808 to eliminate the debt, which goes to show there's a lot of people in the United States that ain't paying no taxes. And make no mistake, you will pay this bill. You're either going to pay it through direct track, tax increases or you're going to pay it through the inflation tax. I think mostly through the inflation tax because you know we live in a political climate where nobody wants to raise taxes. I'm going to get to that in a second. Here's the thing. 30 trillion is just the tip of the iceberg. On top of the federal government's $30 trillion debt, you have to add state and local government debt. That totals another $3.2 trillion. This brings the total debt-to-GDP ratio in the U.S. to 142%. That's an insane number. Uh, It's also bigger than 90%, by the way. State and local governments have an even bigger problem than the Feds. They can't print money. They can't inflate their way out of debt. So they'll end up coming to the Feds with their hands out. And the Feds will probably shower them with even more money to uh, you know, get them out of this trouble. And that money, of course, will be created out of thin air. Of course, the Feds will have to borrow the money to pay off these state and local debts. You don't have to be an expert in finance to realize that paying debt with more debt, that's less than ideal. To really understand the country's financial health, you also have to include unfunded liabilities. These are payments that the government has promised to make in the future, including Social Security and Medicare. That adds another $160 trillion in liabilities to Uncle Sam's balance sheet. If you take the unfunded liabilities and add them to the funded debt, you're at nearly $200 trillion. Now, pause here for just a moment and ask yourself this question. Do you really think the federal government is going to pay back $200 trillion? Now, I know the whole modern monetary theory thing is all the rage. These people basically claim that, broadly speaking, debt doesn't matter. Since we borrow in our own currency, we can always just create more money. That means we can always borrow more. Now, they do acknowledge inflation could be a problem if you do this too much. But nobody seems to know what exactly too much is, or or at least they're not willing to define it. I'm just going to go out on a limb, take a wild guess that maybe $200 trillion might be too much. The problem is these people forget There is a bond market. You know, I think they would prefer the Treasury just print money and do away with the whole process of selling bonds and and, uh, issuing debt. But that's not how it works. So, you know, you kind of got to account for how it works. And the way it works is the government sells bonds on the open market and the Fed steps in and puts its big fat thumb on the bond market. It buys bonds with money printed out of thin air. We call this debt monetization. This creates artificial demand in the Treasury market and facilitates the U.S. government's debt financing. If the Fed wasn't buying all of these bonds, there wouldn't be enough demand out there to finance the government's borrowing and spending. Interest rates would soar. Bond prices would crash. Since 2019, get this, the Fed has bought four times the number of treasury bonds as all of the international bondholders combined, and it has been been one of the biggest players in the treasury market. In 2020, the Fed monetized more than 100% of US government notes and 90% of all US government bonds. Now, It slowed down a bit in 2021, but it's still buying a massive amount of treasuries. It still has its big fat thumb on the treasury market, and it's still facilitating this borrowing and spending. So you see the problem right here, right? The Fed is talking about cutting its bond buying program. It's even talking about shrinking its balance sheet. If the Fed follows through and pulls out of the bond market, who's going to take up this slack? And what happens if the Fed actually starts shrinking its balance sheet and dumping bonds into the open market? I'll tell you what'll happen. It'll crash the bond market. And if they play this game long enough, it's going to crash the U.S. dollar. You know, the U.S. government is kind of like that kid you knew in middle school who was always borrowing money at lunch. He always swore, oh, I'll pay you back. But he never seemed to get around to paying anybody back. And pretty soon, people wised up and he quit loaning him money. You know, people don't loan out money. They know they're not ever going to get back. Now, I don't tend to think that the US government will literally default on the debt. I think it's just going to keep paying people back in devalued dollars as it continues to inflate the money supply and borrow from new creditors. But, you know, that's the same death march, it's just slower. Nobody wants to get paid back in money. That doesn't buy as much. If you loan somebody $100, and by the time you get it back, you can only buy $50 worth of stuff, well, you're not going to stay in that game very long either, right? The bottom line is this is nothing but a Ponzi scheme played with monopoly money. That's how Peter Schiff put it. I'm going to link to a podcast that he did in the show note page that talks about this. Basically, we're paying back old creditors with devalued money we borrowed from new creditors, and then we'll pay back the new creditors with some creditors down the road that we borrow from. It's just borrow and pay, borrow and pay. Well, that can't last forever. Or to use another analogy, it's like Jenga. If you've ever played Jenga before, you know that you can take a lot of pieces out of that Jenga tower, especially if you're strategic. But there's always a tipping point, right? That tower always falls over. That's always the end game. This monetary Jenga game is not going to end well. But you know, mostly nobody cares. Crossing the $30 trillion threshold will create a little media buzz over the next few days, but then Uncle Sam's going to go right back to business as usual. And by that, I mean borrow and spend. The fact is the mainstream is convinced the debt really isn't a problem because it hasn't been a problem yet. We have all of this debt, nothing's happened, but you know, nothing is a problem until it is. Kicking the can down the road works just fine until you run out of road. The Jenga tower will stand until the last piece is pulled, and then crash. So are you ready for such a scenario? As I say every week, this is a great time to call a Shift Gold Precious Metals Specialist. You just dial 1-888-GOLD-160, or if you don't want to call, you can shoot them an email, info at shiftgold.com. These guys are fantastic. They're going to look at your investment goals, your portfolio, what you're looking to do, and they'll tell you how precious metals can fit into your broader investment strategy. Talk to them today. So that is a gold wrap for this week, coronavirus edition. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at Apple Podcasts on the Shift Gold YouTube channel on Stitcher. You'll find links to these things over on the show notes page. If you want to contact me, you're welcome to do so. M. Meharry, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shiftgold.com. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you next week.